Praise the Lord. Listen, my name is JJ. I'm honored to be here with you on this morning. I want to thank Dr. David for the opportunity to share with you all on this morning. It's truly my pleasure. If you have a copy of the Word of God, I want to encourage you to go ahead and open it with me. We're going to come from the book of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians. We're going to be in chapter 15, and we're going to look at just eight verses of Scripture on this morning. So 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we'll look at verses 1 through 8 on this morning. I've titled this sermon, The Gospel. What I want to do simply in these 30 minutes that we have for the remainder of this service is just to encourage you and to clearly explain the gospel. Now, if you're able to stay with us afterwards for the uh, training on how to share the gospel, I want to encourage you to do so. But what I'm basically going to do is I looked at your mission statement. Your mission statement says, loving people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus. So what I'm going to do in that second hour is simply give you an approach. It's not the approach, it's a approach, because there's a lot of approaches that people use. And it's just a strategy that you can use to simply do just what your mission is, which is to love people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. So 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we're going to walk through these verses, verses 1 through 8. I have a New King James Version of the Word of the Lord. I'll read it now in your hearing. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, and in which you stand by which you are also saved, if you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins, how do we know? According to the scriptures. And that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, how do we know, Paul? According to the scriptures. And that he was seen by Cephas and then by the twelve. And notice the repetition of he was seen. He was seen. You're going to see it four times. And after that, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remained to the present. Paul was saying they were alive, but some have fallen asleep. Some had passed on. After that, he was seen. There it is again. He says, by James, then by all the apostles. Then he says, then last of all, he was seen, there it is again, by me also as one born out of due time. Let me pray. Father, I'm grateful for this morning to be standing before these dear people. I pray that you would give me a fresh touch, that you would use me even in this moment to preach your word. May it edify the believer, may it evangelize the lost, and may all that is said and done bring you great glory. May I do no harm to your word, but only preach that which is sound doctrine. Lord, thank you again. We'll be careful to give you all the glory in Jesus' name. And the church said... Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. So notice in the beginning, these first few verses, where we're going to spend the majority of our time is in verses three through four. But let me put it in context. When Paul begins here, he's saying that I declare to you the gospel. The word of gospel basically is God's message of salvation. The word really means good news. And Paul begins to give us some characterizations of this gospel. He says, first of all, this gospel is the gospel that I that I preach to you. So the first time that Paul came to Corinth during his second missionary journey, Paul shows up there. He actually says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, he talks about how when he came there, he says, Brethren, I didn't come to you with excellence of speech or of wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God, for I determined not to know anything among you, he says, except Jesus Christ Amen. and him crucified. Then he tells them, listen, I was with you in weakness, 
much fear and trembling. And then he says this, in my speech and my preaching, he says, they were not with uh, persuasive words of human wisdom, but they were in demonstration of the spirit and of power. Then he says this, that your faith may not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So, so Paul showed up there and Paul was preaching the gospel. He's reminding them in chapter 15 that the gospel that he preached when he came is the same gospel he's telling them about right now. Nothing has changed. This was the good news that Paul preached to them. Then he reminds them that they received this gospel. Listen, I have a son and a daughter. Um, they have to come to Jesus themselves, and both of them have. They can't get in on my profession of faith. They have to individually receive Jesus Christ for themselves. That's the same for you. Listen, you have kids, you have grandkids, you love them to death, but the reality is, is just because you're a believer don't mean they get on on your profession of faith. No, they have to come to a place in their own lives where they recognize that they are a sinner and they're separated from God, and they call on the name of the Lord to be saved. So Paul reminds them, listen, I preach this gospel to you, and you received this gospel. Then he says in the text, he says, by which you are saved. You know, the, 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 Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, I'm going with my notes, i got to be careful because i got to make sure I'm on time. But in 1 Corinthians, he talks about how it, 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 it's foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, he says, it is, it is it's the power of God. So, so, so this, this gospel is, is this, this good news of salvation. When I receive it, here's what's going to happen. When I take my last breath here, I'll take my first breath there. I know that where I'm going is heaven. I know my sins have been forgiven. I've received the gift of the Holy Spirit. I'm a child of God, right, right? So all of that comes when I place my faith in Jesus Christ as my only hope for salvation. But notice in the text that Paul continues, he says it's, it's a gospel which you stand upon, meaning that the gospel has implications for us as it relates to how we should live our lives. Meaning that I should build my life upon what? The Word of God. I love to talk about my son a lot because one of the things that I tell him, he's a football player, he's trying to pursue that just like I did a long time ago. And one of the things I tell him, I say, you know what, Jairus, uh, you and all of your teammates are, are builders. He's like, really, we're builders? I say, yeah, yeah, you, you guys are all building something. You're trying to prepare. You're trying to pursue this football thing. So, so you guys are working out. You're lifting weights. You're, 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 taking the, you're getting proper rest. You're, you're trying to eat good. You're trying to do all. You're watching film study. You're doing the, all that right. You, you, you're building. But the reality is, and don't make this mistake, son, is that some of you are building on sand. And some of you are building on rock. See, here's the reality, son, that the storm is going to hit all of you. The storms of life. Uh, the one that's building on sand as well as the one that's building on the rock. But guess what? The only one that's going to stand, son, is the one that's built on the rock, which is Jesus Christ. Amen. So be careful how you're building. I'm glad you're building, but you better make sure your foundation is the right one. So the gospel is what we should stand upon. It has implications for how we should live our lives. But notice how Paul continues to move through the text. He tells them, listen, uh, uh, for I delivered to you. Now watch this. This is very important. He says, first of all, that which I what? Received. 
right? right? So, so just as you, Corinthians, received this good news, I received this good news. Now watch what Paul did. After he received this good news, what did he do? He delivered it to others. He delivered it. He took it to Corinth and delivered it. He took it to Philippi and other places delivered it. He took it to Thessalonica and delivered it. You as you see all throughout Acts, uh, Dr. David just read the, how Paul was sharing the gospel in the synagogue after he left out of Antioch. So Paul just became a delivery person of this good news. And the reality is, is that all of us in this room have that same responsibility. All of us have that responsibility. Now look what he does. He says very clearly what he delivered, all right? Here it is. Here it is. The first point in this is that Christ, if you got your notes, you can write this down. Christ died for our sins. So what he's getting into now is the substance of the gospel. Christ died for our sins. Now the word Christ means the anointed one, the Messiah. Jesus was the anointed one. Jesus was the Messiah. Now the Bible provides reliable testimony for Jesus's Messiahship. Let me give you a couple of those examples. Jesus says to the high priest who asked if he was the Christ, the son of the blessed, he said this, I am, and you will see the son of man sitting at the right hand of the power and coming with the clouds of heaven. Jesus, the Jews, understood that Jesus' statement here was basically a claim for him to be equal with God. They understood that statement. They understood that Jesus here was making a statement that he was equal with God by saying what he just said. Notice when you move through the Bible, you also find Jesus' disciple Peter says this to Jesus. You are the what? Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus' friend Martha says to Jesus, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the son of God who has come into the world. Jesus' disciple Nathaniel says this, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. And Jesus appears to his disciple Thomas following his resurrection. And guess what Thomas says? My Lord and my God. Christ Jesus is the Son of God. Got to understand that. He's the God man. But also he says he died for our sins. All right. Romans 3.23 says this. For all, and guess what all means in the Greek? It means all. Nothing deep about it. That means everybody. <laughs> All have sinned, including the preacher, and fall short of God's glory. So God's glory is here, and all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. And the scripture says in Romans 6.23 that the wages, the payment for sin, of sin, is death, meaning eternal separation from God, but contrast, the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. That's the good news of that verse. So Christ Jesus was crucified on the cross at Calvary for our sins. Here's what happened. I'm going to try to give this to you real quickly. I'm going to talk fast for the sake of time, but just hear me on this. So Jesus was led away to appear before Annas first, the father-in-law of Caiaphas, the high priest. Then he appeared before Caiaphas second, where all the chief priests, elders, and scribes were assembled. Now the chief priests, the elders, and the council sought false testimony against Jesus because they wanted to put Jesus to death, and many gave false testimony, but their testimony did not agree. Then finally, two witnesses eventually accused Jesus of saying these words. 
I am able to destroy the temple of God and to build it in three days. But the Bible says that their testimonies did not agree either. Nevertheless, Caiaphas, the high priest, still desired a response from Jesus, but Jesus kept silent. So Caiaphas says, I put you, referring to Jesus, under oath by the living God. Tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus said, it is as you said. Nevertheless, I say to you hereafter, you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. Caiaphas tore his clothes and said, he, referring to Jesus, has spoken blasphemy. What further need do we have of witnesses? Look now, have you not heard his blasphemy? What do you think? Then the religious leaders answered and said, he, referring to Jesus, is deserving of death. Next, they did the following to Jesus. They spit in Jesus' face. They blindfolded Jesus. They beat Jesus. They mocked Jesus by saying, prophesy to us, Christ, who is the one who struck you? Next, they took Jesus the next morning before the Sanhedrin, all the chief priests, scribes, and elders plotted against Jesus to put him to death. Next, they took him to Pilate that same day. He appeared before him. The religious leaders bound Jesus, took him there to the praetorium to appear before Pilate. They made accusations against Jesus, but Jesus remained silent. Pilate asked Jesus directly, says this, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus said, it is as you say. Pilate concluded, I find no fault in him at all. But the religious leaders became even more angrier. And they said he, referring to Jesus, which was a lie, stirs up the people teaching throughout Judea, beginning from Galilee to this place. So when he heard the word Galilee, he then sent him to Herod in Herod's jurisdiction, which was Galilee. So when Jesus got to Herod, Herod was excited to see Jesus because he had heard many things about Jesus. And so for a long time, he decided to see Jesus, hoping that Jesus would perform a miracle. He questioned Jesus, but Jesus did not answer him. And the chief priests and scribes began to accuse Jesus. Then Herod and his men did the following to Jesus. They treated him with contempt. They mocked Jesus. They arrayed him in a gorgeous robe and they sent him back to Pilate. When he gets back to Pilate, Pilate says, listen, neither myself nor Herod found any fault in this man, so I'm just going to simply scourge him and release him back to you. Now, you know it's my custom, Pilate said, to release to you a prisoner during Passover, so how about I release to you Jesus? And they said, no, 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 not this man. We want Barabbas, who was a notorious prisoner. So Pilate released Barabbas, handed over Jesus to their will. They did the following to Jesus. They took Jesus. They scourged Jesus. After that, they took him into the praetorium. They called in the whole garrison. They stripped Jesus. They put a purple robe on Jesus, put a crown of thorns on his head, put a reed in Jesus' right hand. Then they mocked Jesus. How did they do it? By bowing their knee to Jesus, by saluting Jesus, by shouting, hail, king of the Jews of Jesus. Then they spit on Jesus. Then they took the reed and struck Jesus on the head with the reed. Then they struck Jesus with their hands. Next, Pilate, who desired to make it known that he had found no fault in Jesus, brought Jesus before the crowd, wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, and said, Behold the man. And the chief priest and officer said, No, 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 no. Crucify him. Crucify him. Pilate responded, You take him and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. Then the Jews answered, We have a law. 
Watch this. And according to our law, he should die because he made himself the son of God. They didn't believe he was the son of God. Pilate sought to release Jesus. But the Jews cried out saying, if you let this man go, you are not Caesar's friend. Whoever makes himself a king speaks against Caesar. So Pilate brought him out Jesus again and says, behold, you're a king this time. And here's what happened. But they said again, away with him, away with him, crucify him. So Pilate said to them, shall I crucify your king? The chief priest answered, said, we have no king but Caesar. So Pilate delivered Jesus to the soldiers. The soldiers took Jesus, they removed the robe from Jesus, put Jesus' own clothes back on him, led Jesus away to be crucified. The soldiers crucified Jesus between two criminals on a cross at Calvary. Jesus gave his first cry on the cross, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. Then they took Jesus' garments, leaving him naked as they divided his garments and cast lots. And the accusation written against Jesus was put over his head. This is Jesus, the king of the Jews. Then they mocked Jesus. The soldiers mocked Jesus. One of the two robbers mocked Jesus. People who passed by mocked Jesus. The religious leaders mocked Jesus. So Jesus then cried out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama, sabachthani, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then Jesus said, I thirst. So one of the young men took a sponge, dipped it in sour wine, put it on his lips, put it up to his mouth. So Jesus drank the sour wine. And then he said, it is finished. And then crying out again with a loud voice, Jesus said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Jesus then bowed his head and by act of his own will, breathed his last and yielded up his spirit. Then the temple curtain was torn in two, and the Roman soldier said, truly, this was the Son of God. Jesus Christ died for our sins. How do we know? According to the Scriptures. According to the Scriptures. According to the Scriptures. According to the Scriptures. We can go way back to Isaiah 53 for the sake of time. I'm just going to read a quick verse from Isaiah 53. Hundreds of years before Jesus even appeared on the scene, he was talking about Jesus's crucifixion. He says, all we like sheep, all meaning all, all of us have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. Watch this. And the Lord has laid on him, referring to Jesus, the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. I can go through the whole text. Just go read Isaiah 53. Everything you're seeing in the Gospels was fulfilled prophecy concerning how Jesus would come and eventually die for the sin of the world. He is who he says he is. But he's not only he, he, he is who he says he is, he can do what he said he will do. Watch this. I'm going to show you something in the text. Let's go to the second point. Christ was buried. Christ was buried. Look what it says. And conjunction, I ain't done, Paul saying, that he was Buried. Now, he was buried in a tomb by two men. Joseph was involved, a man from Arimathea. He was a rich man, a prominent council member, a good man, a just man, the scripture says, a man who did not consent to Jesus' crucifixion, a disciple of Jesus, yet secretly for fear of the Jews, and a man who was also waiting for the kingdom of God. Nicodemus was also involved. We learned that from John's gospel, a ruler of the Jews, a man who came to Jesus by night and who later followed Jesus. So during the evening of the preparation day, the day before the Sabbath, Jesus went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. And after learning that Jesus was in fact dead, Pilate gave Joseph the body, granted his request. And Nicodemus later joined Joseph, bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloe. So next, here's what they did. They took the body, wrapped the body in a clean linen cloth, 
with the spices following the Jewish custom and burial. Then they laid the body in a new tomb, hewn out of a rock inside of a garden. Next, they rolled a large stone against the door of the tomb, and then Mary Magdalene was there as well as the other Mary, and they saw where the body had been laid. Now, on the next day, they went to the chief priests. And they said, we remember the deceiver saying, they referred to Jesus as the deceiver because they didn't believe that he was the son of God. They said, we remember the deceiver saying that after three days, he will rise again. So unless the second deception, him claiming to actually get up from the dead, is greater than the first deception, him claiming to be God, give us a little guard to put in front of the tomb and let us seal the tomb. So Pilate gave them the little guard and allowed them to seal the tomb. But how many of you know that went enough to keep him in there? I went to Israel in 2016 and had the opportunity to go to that place. And let me just say, sir, he, 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 he's not in there. Christ arose. Thank God the story does not end there. Matter of fact, if the story ended there, we're wasting our time in here. Read the entirety of 1 Corinthians 15 at your leisure. He talks about the fact that if you don't believe, because they were tripped up on the resurrection, he says, if you don't believe the resurrection, then guess what? Your, your, your faith is empty. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, you're still in your sins. He literally says that. So thank God that the story does not end there. So when you share the gospel, please make sure you share the whole gospel. Yeah, he died for our sins. He was buried in the grave, but he got up three days later. Very important. Very important. So look at your text real quickly. He says here that he rose again the third day. Now, an angel removed the stone from, from, the stone from Jesus' tomb on a Sunday morning before sunrise. So the women who followed Jesus visited the tomb after sunrise with these spices they had prepared to anoint the body of Jesus and discovered that the stone had been rolled away from the tomb. So Mary and Madeline left and to tell Peter and John immediately the other women remained at the tomb were perplexed about these events and they were alarmed. So they went inside and they saw two angels who told them about Jesus' resurrection. They said to the woman, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee. Here's what he said. The son of man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men. Just showed you that. Be crucified. Just showed you that. And the third day, rise again. Then the woman remembered Jesus' words, and they departed to tell the eleven and all the rest. So the woman's words seemed like idle tales, so nobody believed them. And next, Peter and John come to the tomb, and they see the clothes that Jesus was wearing lying by themselves, and they departed, marveling about what had occurred. John notes that at that time they did not know the scripture, that Jesus must rise again, and they went away to their homes. You see, I told you earlier that Jesus also did what he said that he will do. This is what he said he said he would do. Mark 9, 31, I'm going to read this real quick. I can give you a lot more examples, but I'm just going to read one. Here's what he told him. The Son of Man is being portrayed into the hands of men. This is why they're on the way to Jerusalem. And he was, I showed you that in the Gospels. And they're going to kill him, and he was, he literally died. And after he is killed, he will rise again the third day. So Jesus told them over and over again, yep, they're going to hand me over, uh-huh, they're going to crucify me, yep, they're going to bury me, but guess what, I'm getting up three days later. Y'all just be waiting on me. He did what he said he would do. He is who he says he is, and he did what he said he would do. But here's the final point, Christ appeared. Christ appeared. Let me land this plane. Christ appeared. Look what it says. Paul continues in that he was seen. No, notice the people he names. He was seen by Cephas, 
But real quickly, not mentioned in 1 Corinthians 15, but you can find this in Mark's gospel as well as in John's gospel, that he also appeared to Mary Magdalene. He also appeared to the other Mary. She's mentioned as well in Matthew 28. So he's also seen by these women. Then he was seen by Peter, who was the first male witness. And then after that, he appears to the 12. Now he appeared to 10 of them with Thomas absent as they sat at a table in a closed room for fear of the Jews. And then he appeared to 11 of them, 11 of them with Thomas now present eight days after that in the same place. And then he appeared to seven of them on the Sea of Galilee and performed the miracle of fish. And then he appeared to his disciples again at Jerusalem when he was getting ready to take off and head into heaven, ascended to heaven. Next, Jesus also appeared to 500 brethren he names at once in the scriptures. After that, he was seen by James, which is the Lord's half-brother. James saw him. Then he also appeared to all the apostles. Then he appeared, he says here to Paul, he says, last of all, he was seen by me as one born out of due time, meaning one abnormally born, because Paul came later after a period of strong opposition. So check out this real quickly. If we put the resurrection on trial, let's say you're the jury, and because people like to say the resurrection is not an event, you can't prove that it happened, it's not a historical event. I, I, let me just real quickly just say this. If we put the resurrection on trial and you're the jury, and I walk in here real quickly, Mary Magdalene, the other Mary, James, Peter, uh, uh, Paul, and 500 people, number one, number two, number three, number four, and just 500 people, and they all say, I saw him after he rose from the dead. What would you rule? You would rule that he's alive. The evidence is overwhelming. Paul even told them, listen, some of them still alive. You can go ask them yourself at that time, and some had fallen asleep. What I've just shared with you is the gospel. Christ died for our sins. Christ was buried. Christ rose again. Christ was seen. That is the gospel. Now, if you hang with me, and I promise you it won't be boring. I, I promise you, I, 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 won't be, I want to make it fun. You can tell I'm, I kind of get a little excited. I ain't going to put you to sleep, and I ain't going to keep you beyond lunch because I know you like to eat. All Baptists like to eat. All right, I want to eat too. All right, we're all in that same boat. But if you're able to hang, hang with us, and I'll get into some practical stuff about how you can engage people and talk to people about this message, this good news. All right? Let me pray for us. Thank you, Father, for the opportunity to share with this dear church. Grateful for this opportunity. I pray you bless these dear people, and Lord, use them to be a a beacon of light for the gospel here in this community and beyond. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're good? Okay. Jump right in? Okay. All right. We're going to get started. And now I don't want this to sound like another sermon. I really don't want to go to the... So I'm going to ask you guys to kind of... Do a little participating out where you are. I might ask some questions. I'll make it interactive because I don't want it to be another sermon. I really want it to be like a teaching, a true training. But if you got a man in the pulpit that loves to preach, sometimes he can kind of fall into preach mode. But y'all pull me back, okay, if I start going into preach mode. All right, real quickly. So what we're going to talk about, you guys, do you have the, uh, the uh, bulletin? the second sheet of paper there. 
you need that, you can write in notes as we go. All right, so the first thing we're going to look, I want to, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn real quickly to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And I want you to look at verses 17 through 21. So 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 through 21. I'm going to give you a minute or so to read that with your part. I'm going to set my phone here real quick to put it on the timer. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 through 21. So take about three minutes and just read that. You can discuss it after you're done with your, the person sitting next to you. If you have someone sitting next to you, just take three minutes. I'm setting my timer right now to read 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 through 21. Time is starting. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 through 21. You can read it, and after you finish reading it, you can discuss it real quickly. Really zero in on verse number 20. But I want you to read 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 through 21. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 through 21. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 through 21. I still hear some pages turning. I want to make sure you know. All right, we got one more minute. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 through 21. Really zero in on verse 20. About 30 more seconds. Second Corinthians chapter 5, 17 through 21. If you're just joining us is what we're reading. A few more seconds. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 through 21. All right, here we go. Time is up. So, anybody would like to share, bold enough to share, what you learned from these three verses that we just read, particularly what I'm looking for is in verse number 20. Anybody would like to share? Second Corinthians chapter 5. We're ambassadors. Y'all see that in verse number 20? All right. That's what I was really wanting you to catch hold of. It says, now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. All right. Look what it says. As though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. Now, watch this real quickly. If you look back real quickly in verse number 17 of that text, it says, if anyone's in Christ, he is a what? He's a new creation. So we're all new creations if you're in Christ. He says that. Then he says this. And uh, he says, uh, and the old things have passed away, and now all things have become new. So there's a second mention of the word new. Now all things are of God. Now, what has God done? Watch this. The first thing God has done is he has reconciled us to himself through Jesus because we were at enmity with God. All right. So he's reconciled us to himself through Jesus. But notice that he does not stop there. All right. Look what he says. 
and don't miss that. That's a conjunction. He's still done. He's not done. He's still talking and has given us what? The ministry of reconciliation. So that means that the moment of salvation, when I got saved and I gave my life to Jesus Christ, here's what happened. God reconciled me to himself through his son, Jesus. And then God gave me the ministry of reconciliation at that moment. All right. So when you see verse 20, it's very important to understand those verses that are moving up in front of it, 17 through 19. So we're ambassadors. So the first point on your sheet is, is that we have to own our role as a missionary or ambassador. That's what we got to do. We got to own that because God has said that. That's who we are now. We're his ambassadors. We're missionaries. We're to go and make known the gospel. We're involved in the ministry of reconciliation, reconciling people to God through the gospel of Jesus Christ. So that's what we got to first understand. All right. Number two is we have to view ourselves biblically. Now I want you to turn to your Bibles. Go real quickly to 1 Peter chapter 2, and let's look at verse 9. 1 Peter chapter 2, we're going to look at verse number 9. So if you have your Bibles, just turn there. 1 Peter 2, and look at verse 9. I'm going to give you a minute, again, to read that with someone next to you. You can talk about it as you go if you want or after you're done. 1 Peter 2, 9. I'm setting my timer right now for one minute. 1 Peter 2, 9. 1 Peter 2, 9, read that. Forty-five seconds. First Peter two nine. Thirty seconds. First Peter two nine. Fifteen seconds. All right, we are done. Okay, now, real quickly, what did we learn from First Peter two nine? Anybody want to take it from the floor? First Peter two nine. Chosen generation. All right. Anything else that's jumping out in there? What else? Royal priesthood. What else is jumping out in there? Holy people. All right. What else is in there? God's possession. What else? Peculiar people, right? Now, with all that being said, what are we supposed to do? There it is. There it is. Declare the praise of him. Tell others, however you want to put it. What did he do? He called us and into, there it is. All right. So again, you got to view yourself biblically. That's the next point on your sheet. On your role as a missionary, view yourself biblically. This is where you got to start right here. I understand I'm an ambassador. All right. I understand that, that God has reconciled me to himself through Jesus. And God has put in my hand the ministry of reconciliation. I understand I'm a part of this chosen generation, this holy people, this peculiar people. And, and, and we are called to proclaim the praise of him who called us out of darkness. And thanks be to God that he called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. So I got to understand that first. OK, 
I mean, that, that, so help God, that's God to help you just settle that. Like to see yourself as such, a missionary, living on mission, viewing yourself biblically before we move into actually engaging people. That's where a lot of people get tripped up. A lot of times what I find that people don't share the gospel is because they don't understand that, okay? Even if you think about this, Matthew 28, 18, you don't have to turn it. Let me read this real quickly to you. So Matthew 28, 18 says this. Jesus says this. He says, all authority has been given to me. That's what Jesus says to himself. He says, in heaven and on earth. And then he says this. So go, therefore, right, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and then teaching them to obey all things I've commanded you, and I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. I'm not going to do 19 through 20 if I don't believe verse 18. What does verse 18 says? All authority has been given to me. So, 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 so you're going because Jesus, you believe that Jesus is the King of kings, Lord of lords, and that he has all authority, and he has now told you to go with his authority into the world and to engage the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ, all right? So I got to view myself biblically. I got to understand my role as a missionary and all of that. So I just want to really lay that foundation and lean into that. All right, next. Now, here's what's going to happen. As you begin to do this, the enemy is going to come against you. He, 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 gonna, he don't want you to open your mouth. He don't want you to mention the gospel. He don't want you to do any of that. And here's some ways he's going to come against you. The first word he's going to do, and here's the ants. These are automatic negative thoughts that's just going to pop in. Here's one of them. The first one is, man, J.J., I hear what you're saying. I, I, I believe all you, I, I, but I just can't. I can't, J.J., I can't do that. Can't do that. The devil is a lie. You can't do it. You might be saying, you know what, uh, J.J., I, I, I just, I don't speak as well. I, I, I don't know a whole lot yet. Um, uh, 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 I, I just, there's no way I can do this. Yes, you can. You can do it in the power of the Holy Spirit. You remember the young man that was blind? He says, man, I don't know, man. I was blind and now I see, right? You remember, you remember the woman at the well? She just read, I, I just met a man at the well. Right? I mean, listen, she didn't go to seminary. Right? Right? She, she, she had, the dad had been saved about two minutes. <laughs> and they was already telling people about Jesus. You get what I'm saying? So don't let that be a barrier to you as well. Here's another barrier that's going to come against you, another negative thoughts. The ants of comparison. Man, J.J., I ain't Billy Graham. I can't, I can't, I, I, I can't talk to people. I'm not Dr. Chancey. I, can't, I mean, he speaks so well. He knows the Bible. So I, I, can't, I, I can't be him. I'm just, not, I'm just not that way. I'm not gifted that way. So that's another thing that will come against you. But that, okay, listen, when you let the ants of comparison come in, it's going to kill your confidence. Listen, just be you. And here's what I've learned. It will only be weird if you are weird. <laughs> just, <laughs> just be yourself. All right? I shared that verse with you in 1 Corinthians 2 earlier when Paul was saying when he came to Corinth, he says, uh, he says I didn't come with excellence of speech and I didn't have all this wisdom. And he says, uh, he says uh, 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 my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive human words. Uh, but, man, it was just a demonstration of the spirit and power. All I did was just preach Jesus to y'all, and, and people got saved. So, he, he, so, so don't think about the, the, all of that. Just, just present the gospel and the power of the Holy Spirit, okay? All right, now here's another one that's going to come against you, fear. 
the ants of fear, negative thoughts. Uh, they're going to reject me. Um, it's going to hurt our relationship. Um, they're going to think I'm weird now. Um, um, I might offend them. Um, all of those things will come into your mind. So the ants of fear is something that you have to be aware of as well. But you remember what Paul told Timothy, God has not given us what? Spirit of fear. And, and listen, um, when you're dealing with that, just pray. When I'm afraid, I'll trust in you. God, give me the boldness. Paul often asks for it. Let me show you something real quickly. I get dangerous now when I start going off script, y'all. So let me read this to you real quickly. This blessed me one day when I was reading through the book of Acts. And because um, when you read Paul, when you read about it, you're like, man, he was just so bold. Man, I want to be like Paul, man. He was just, he was just so bold and planted all these churches, man. He must have never been afraid. No, no, no. When Paul was in Corinth, he was sharing the gospel, the church that we just preached about earlier, and, 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 and then he started experiencing some opposition. And here's what it says in Acts chapter 18. You can read this later on. It says in verse number nine, now the Lord spoke to Paul in the night by a vision. And here's what it says in red, showing what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. Why did he tell him that? Because he was afraid. And then he said this, but speak. Wow. Then he says this, and do not keep silent. Wow. For I am with you. Oh, my goodness. That blessed me one day. So I said, man, Paul is just like me sometimes. Sometimes I deal with that as well. And this is encouraging to us just to keep on going and to speak the word of God. All right. So the answer fear. The next one I've learned that'll help you is uh, to, to overcome these is to invite some accountability. Um, invite people in your life. For example, if you have a close friend of you that you have, or it could be your spouse or whatever the case may be, someone that would, that would hold you accountable to make sure that you are uh, sharing the gospel with people. So that when you see them the next time, you say, okay, every time we meet, I want you to ask me to have a chance to at least talk to somebody about Jesus. So let's for example, you leave today. Let's say you have a friend in the room. Y'all real tight. And you say, okay, before I leave today, here's what I want to ask you to do. When I come back next Sunday, I want you to ask me a question. And every Sunday, ask me that I have a chance to talk to somebody about Jesus. Because that'll help me uh, uh, keep it in front of me, and it'll help me be accountable. Does that make sense? So it could be your spouse. It could be anybody in your life. But I've learned that if you have the accountability, um, it'll push you forward as well. Just an extra incentive, okay? So, so that's something I want to share with you. Now, here's what you got to do. You have to choose to be super intentional. That's the next one on you. That's number two. Choose to be super intentional. Now, how do I do that? All right, real quickly. Here's what I would say. First of all, who? Who are the people in your life that you know are far from God? And you can just go down the list. You can think through friends that you already have in your life that you know that are not say they don't know Jesus. You can think through family members, all right? That, it, that, that you know that, are, that, are, that don't know Jesus. You can think through um, coworkers, people that you work with, um, that you know that they don't know, they don't know Jesus. Uh, you can think about your neighbors, people that you, uh, you know, live next door to in your neighborhood who, who, who don't know Jesus. That'll get you going right there. And here's what I've learned. As you begin to just, and you, this is something you can do at your leisure. You can just, you can get before the Lord 
and you can begin to ask the Lord to show you the people in your life who need to hear Jesus. Hear the gospel. Hear the gospel. And just begin to write those names down. So just those four, those four categories that I just put down. And then just ask the Lord, Lord, show me where to start. Just show me where to start. So start, get before, that's the who. The people in your life, everyday life, writing those names down. The next thing that I encourage you to write down, and I forgot to send this to you, David, is, is what? The what is, okay, how are we going to do this? So, for example, let's say it's, uh, let's say it's a friend, all right? You, you, you both, uh, I'm a man, so I'm, I'm automatically going to sports. And so you, you both like football or whatever. Let's say, all right, so your strategy might be, okay, we're going to get together and watch some football. That's the what, all right? So it's going to be, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be Will, and, and, and the what, gonna, the who is Will, and the what's going to be, all right, it's going to be, uh, we're going to watch some football at the house, all right? And, and I just went into the, the where at my home. And then I might say, oh, when, all right, we're gonna, I'm going to do it, uh, I'm, I'm going to reach out to him, I'm going to set it up, we're going to get together two weeks from today, all right? So you set it up. There it is. There's the who, there's the what, there's the when, and there's the where. Just ask those simple questions. So for, for, for the ladies, it, it might be, um, it's going to be uh, uh, my, 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 uh, my nail technician or the lady who do my hair. You know, it's going to be Valerie. And the win might be, okay, the next time I go get the appointment, that's when I'm going to do it. Okay, and that's going to be where at the nail salon or the beauty salon, and, then, and, and that's going to be the strategy. So you're just thinking through, again, who, what, when and where, all right? And you, this, is, this is being super intentional about it, all right? That's one piece. Now, let me tell you another piece. Another piece that I've learned is that there's that point where you're making those appointments and you're scheduling it and you're being intentional. But then there's also where you're redeeming the moments, the God moments is what I call. So you might be just going about your everyday life, and sometimes when I've gone to a restaurant or I've checked out at Publix and I'm stopping in the cashier, sometimes I've gone through the line. This happened a couple Sundays ago. I was going through the line, and it was a lady on the register, and it was a young dude bagging the groceries. So I'm going through the line. At the moment, I wasn't really even thinking. I'm just walking through the line, and I stopped there. At the, the, she was running the scanner and doing everything, and I looked to my left, and there was nobody behind me, and the store was pretty empty because it was early in the morning. And I felt the Holy Spirit prompt me. This is a God moment. So I just asked them both right there in the store. I just asked them about their relationship with Jesus. All right. Neither one of them, what I could tell, really were saved. And so I say, listen, people started coming in behind me. Let me leave something with you. So I just took out a gospel track, left it with them, said, hey, man, Jesus loves you. Uh, he died for you. Salvation is available to you. I hope you get to know him. But again, you're just seizing the moments as you go. So there's the as you go, and then there's those intentional moments where you're planning it. All right? Now, when you're planning it, don't let them know. All right? What I mean by that is it's not necessarily a trap. You're just saying, hey, Willie, man, you want to come over, watch the game at my house next Thursday? Yes, he comes over, we chilling, we watching the game. Here's what I've learned next. Begin just to ask questions and begin to just kind of build, build, build rapport, build relationships, okay? So just simple questions. Man, where you from, man? Oh, I'm from Clearwater. All right, you, you tell them where you from. You're just talking. Man, how many kids you got, man? We got to do this. You just, just, just natural talk. And so here's what I do when the natural talk is happening. Number one, you begin to listen. As you listen, you will find that people will begin to share things with you, and you listen for brokenness. 
me give you a practical example. Three weeks ago, my son had a football game. Get to the game, one of the other dads comes up to me and asks, hey man, who did you ride with down here? I said, I drove by myself. He said, do you mind if I ride back with you to the school afterwards? I rolled down with this family, you mind if I I'm like, sure, you can ride with me, that's cool. But I knew right then, this is an appointment. So I started praying, Lord, give me boldness, give me courage, pray for an open door to share the gospel with this man. So we get in the car. As soon as we get down the road, we ain't got about a mile or two down the road. He said, so what do you do for a living? <laughs> and um, so I went into, you know, ministry and stuff. I bet he was probably thinking, man, <laughs> I done got in the car with a preacher. <laughs> this is going to be a long ride. <laughs> You're probably like, man, I forgot something. You might take me back. <laughs> I'm going to ride with somebody else. So anyway, we get into the gospel, right? I start asking him questions about his life, stuff like that. He asked me about my life, so I quickly told him I got in the, I'm in the ministry, and here's my story, man. I, I went to NC State. I played football there, man. I told my ACL teammate, invited me to a Bible study, went to that Bible study, man. I went to actually pray at the Bible study. The preacher, before he prayed for me, asked me a question. He said, man, do you know Jesus? I said, no, I don't. He said, listen, man, do you want to give your life to Jesus? Like, Jesus Christ came in the world, died for your sins. Yes. And, if you today, and he rose from the dead. If you would accept him today, your sins can be forgiven. You have the gift of eternal life. Just real quickly, just went through my testimony. Just like that, just weaving it in. So what I'm saying is, is that you just want to listen for the open door. All right? And, and, and be already, and I'm going to get into the practical side of this in just a moment. And then when the door opens, you begin to just share the gospel naturally. So it's more of a relational approach as opposed to just walking up and putting an in-your-face approach. So listen for the open door. Ask good questions. Here's another thing I've also learned. Sometimes it's okay to do this as well. After you've had a long talk, and let's say the door just hasn't really opened yet, you're like, hey, man, you mind if I ask you a question? Now, it's about the Bible, so it's a religious question, so it's okay if you don't want to really go there. What did I just do? I just asked for permission. Now, now, now what happened is, listen, if they say, no, I don't want to go there, it's okay. What I do is you use that as just a way to filter uh, whether or not they're open to the gospel at this time. And if they're not, then you can just step back and begin to pray that God would just begin to work on their hearts and wait for that door to, to open up when they're ready to talk. But guess who they're going to go back to when they're ready to have that conversation? You. Because they know that you're a person of faith. So asking the question, ask permission. Now, if you get into it and they say, yeah, man, go ahead. You can talk to me about the gospel. Sure. And you begin to talk through the gospel and they get upset. Hey, hey, man, I'm sorry. I thought you said it was I thought you said it was OK. I apologize. All right. I'm just trying to give you some approaches on how you can get to the gospel. So when you're setting this up, begin with just conversation, building rapport and just naturally wait for open doors. Listening will help you do that. And then also you can just begin by opening that door by just saying, hey, you might have to ask you a question. Another thing here is what I would say, too. When you get into the gospel, a good way to do it is to show them. I'm going to show you an example of what I mean by that. So this, this resource that you have right here, I need three things. I'll try to put it where you can see it. This resource that you have right here is a gospel track. Everybody have that? This basically just explains the gospel, all right? So if you have it, the first thing you'll see is that you're not an accident. 
There's a scripture there from Colossians 1.16. You were created by God and for God, all right? For by him all things were created. The next point is this. We're separated from God because of what? Sin. All right, there's a couple of verses there. I mentioned those earlier in the sermon. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and the wage of sin is death. The next thing you see there is that the good news. Here it is, God approached us in Jesus. So you can talk about the fact that Jesus Christ, born of the Virgin Mary through the work of the Holy Spirit, came into the world, lived a sinless life, went to the cross willingly, was crucified on the cross, was buried in the grave, and rose from the grave three days later, proving that he is who he is and that he can do what he said he could do. Next is is that on the back of it, you'll see, is that you must individually, personally accept him by faith. It's a personal relationship, remember? All right, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish at all, but they should have everlasting life. So I just went through the gospel right there. So here's a way you can show it to him. If you like object lessons, you can say, hey, man, you mind if I show you just so you can see how this is done real quickly? Yeah, sure. Show me what you're talking about. Okay. All right. This right here is, is, is God. Okay. And this right here is is me and you, us, mankind. Try to make that stay. Stay right there. All right. Then you can say, there's a gap right here, and that gap is because of our sin. So, so God loves us. You were created by God. You were created for God. And, 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 but we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and, and, and the wages of sin is death, meaning eternal separation from God. But let me share something with you real quickly. God sent his son, Jesus, and you just put Jesus like this is Jesus right here, and he's touching this right here. He's connecting with God. God sent Jesus into the world, and Jesus lived a sinless life. He was without sin. And Jesus went to the cross willingly, and Jesus died on the cross for our sins, and he was buried in the grave. Now, Jesus said that after three days, he was going to get up from the grave, basically proving that he is who he says he is and that he can do what he said he can do. So God raised Jesus from the dead. And then you can say, so what we have to do is we have to accept Jesus. We have to personally accept Jesus because Jesus says he is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life, and no man come to the Father except through him. So we must individually receive and accept him by faith. Let me ask you a question. You can put the keys in their hand. And you can say, show me where you are. Give them the keys. Now, there'll be one of three responses. They might say, I'm right here. And that basically means what? They've, they've, they've accepted Jesus. And so you can say, well, tell me his testimony. What's your story, man? How did you come to know Jesus? And you listen for a gospel testimony. Or they may say, man, I'm way over here. I've had people like that. Way, way over here. And you can ask a question. It's a follow-up. How do you feel about that? Or some people may say, I'm, I'm getting close. I've had those two. I'm on my way. I'm, I'm getting right. I'm, you know, I need to go to church. I'm, I'm getting right. I'm getting right, getting my life together and all that. And you may, might say, I'm, about, I'm, I'm getting close. And then, but then you can tell them, you know, it, isn't, it really doesn't matter if you're, if you're here or here because this, the result is the same. All right? And then you could ask them, is there anything that would stop you today from 
being right here. And I've had a guy one time that was at my house. He was there doing some work. And when I said that, he said, no, there's nothing that'll stop me. <laughs> and he, he came to faith right there in my driveway. He said, there's nothing that'll stop me. And he just thanked me for telling him. And can I be honest with you? I was a little afraid. I was. How did you get over it? I just prayed and asked God for boldness, courage, and an open door and prepare his heart. And I just stepped into it and opened my mouth. And he came to faith in Jesus. All right, I had another time where this same track right here, here's another thing you can do. Went to lunch with a colleague of mine at the time at Georgia Baptist and the waitress came up, and I would encourage you to always keep the tracks on you. Sometimes you may not be able to get through the whole gospel, but you can at least leave them with the tracks. So he comes up to the table. It's very busy in the restaurant at the time. He comes up and uh, takes the order, and we say, okay, this is something customary we do. Say, hey, man, we're going to pray in just a moment when you bring that food. Is there anything we can pray for you for? And they'll usually tell you how you can pray for them. And so we notice it was busy. We pray for them. We say, hey, man, we just want to give you something, you know, just to, just to, and we gave him the track. And he went on, and we just sat there and talked. So we stayed there for a long time. By the time we finished, it was, it was nobody in that restaurant. It was pretty empty. And I'm, and I'm walking out of the restaurant. God be my witness. And the brother's sitting at the table by himself. He's sitting at the table, and, and he just like this. He was reading it. And I, I just happened to catch him out the corner of my eye. I'm talking to Steve. I'm walking, and I just look, and I said, uh, stop. And I just did a... And I said, hey, man, you understand what you're reading? He said, no. Can you help me? So I got down. I got down on my knees, and I just walked him through it. I just walked him through I said, listen, man, you are not an accident. You were created by God and you were for God, and God loves you and has a great plan for your life. But here's the reality. We, including myself, have all sinned. We've all fallen short of God's glory, all right? And the Bible says that the wage of sin is death, meaning eternal separation from God. But here's the good news. God has approached us in Jesus. Yes, he sent Jesus in the world. Jesus lived the life that we couldn't live. He, was the sin, he lived a sinless life, went to the cross willingly, died on the cross, was buried in the grave, and he got up from the grave, proving that he is who he says he is, and he can do what he said he can do. And here's the reality. And today, if you would individually just receive Jesus, put your faith in Jesus Christ as your only hope for salvation, God will forgive you for your sins. You'll receive the gift of eternal life, the gift of the Holy Spirit. Uh, listen, he'll change your life. He'll be a new creation. Is there anything that, that would stop you today from making that decision? He said no. So right there in the restaurant, letting faith in Christ. And can I tell you, I was afraid. But you just pressed through. Right? Here's the reality. If you believe your Bible, and I believe it, the scripture says that if they don't accept Jesus, they perish. They spend eternity in hell, separated from God for all eternity. Right? So if, if, if we believe the Bible, right? That should give us some sort of responsibility that we should go out and, 
and, and, and, and, and share the gospel because we don't want them to perish. And God doesn't want them to perish. That's why he's commissioned us to go and make this good news known to them. Does that make sense? And so let me walk through that real quickly again. Am I good on the time? I, uh, let's see real quickly. We got some time. Oh, we're good. We're good. Okay, real quickly. I might get out early. All right. Listen, so let me walk through that again, the, 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 the object lesson. All right? We got two things first on the table. This is God. This is us. You were created by God and for God. You're not an accident. And they love that when you say that. God loves you. He loves you so much. But here's the problem. There's a gap here because we have all sinned and fallen short of God's glory. And the wage of sin is death. Eternal separation from God. You can even move the keys off the table. But here is the good news. God has approached us through his son Jesus. He lived a sinless life. He went to the cross. He died on the cross for our sin. Buried in the grave. Rose from the grave three days later proving that he is who he says he is and that he can do what he said that he would do. So what we must do is accept Jesus by faith. Accept him. Turn from sin, repent, and accept Jesus as our only hope for salvation. Now let me ask you a question. I'm giving you the keys. Put it where you are right now. Put it here. Praise the Lord. You're saved. You know Jesus. Tell me your testimony. Listen for a gospel testimony. If it's not clear, you don't hear the gospel, walk them back through the gospel. They put it here. I'm way over here. How does that make you feel? They say, man, that makes me feel terrible. But listen, you don't have to feel that way because there's good news. You can be here today. You can just go through that. They put it close. I'm not quite there, JJ, but I'm on my way. Well, it really doesn't matter if you're here or here because you need to come here, and it's only through Jesus, right? You just walk them through, all right? And then when you get to a place where they're ready to make the decision, and this is simple, here it is. Don't make it, don't make it harder than this. They need to admit, number one, they're a sinner. All right? They need to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, turn from sin, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, confess Jesus Christ as Lord. Romans 10, 9 is my favorite verse. Let me read it to you real quickly. Turn there real quickly. Romans 10, 9 through 10. Look what it says. Let's roll there real quickly. Because it's not a magical prayer that saves you. It's not a magical prayer. It's faith in Jesus, in Christ alone. Now, we have them pray to express their desire to repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, but it's faith in Christ alone to save you. Romans 10, 9 through 10 says this. If you confess with your mouth, Lord Jesus... And believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will what? You'll be saved. So with the heart, one believes unto righteousness. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. So we'll lead them through a prayer. Now, when they're praying, I've seen it done two ways. All right. There's been times when I say, hey, um, Go ahead and express your desire to God to, 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 to turn from your sin and to accept Jesus. Just, 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 just tell God. 
right? You can do it that way. Or you can say, hey, I'm going to lead you through a prayer. And I'm very careful. I say, I'm going to lead you through a prayer. But listen, this is your prayer now, right? It's, 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 listen, I'm just, I'm just leading you. But I want you to take what these words and, and personalize them, make them your words, okay? And they're like, okay, yes, JJ, all right, okay. Then I say, all right, here, repeat after me. And I try to make it real simple. I don't get into one of them churchy prayers, right? Long, you know, you know how I pray. Just real simple prayers. Remember, they, 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 they are unsaved. They don't really know all the lingo and all that. So I just keep it real simple. I say, okay, here it is. Lead with me to prayer. All right, here it is. Uh, uh, dear God, I, I admit I'm, I'm a sinner. And I'm sorry for my sin. I believe that you sent Jesus Christ to die for my sin and rise again three days later. So today, I'm turning from sin and I'm turning to Jesus and inviting him in my life. In Jesus' name, amen. I just really make it real simple. I just did Romans 10, 19. That's all I did. I just took it and... I didn't use any churchy words. I didn't do the long Thanksgiving prayer, right? But I just kept it real, real, real simple. And then what I do is I celebrate with them. I say, man, listen, I, I came to know Jesus 20 years ago. Best decision I ever made. I'm so, 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 so happy for you. Let me just tell you something. The best days are yet to come. Right, right? You, just, you just make it feel good because you know, you know, right? You've tasted the Lord. He's good, right? You know they're going to taste him, and, and you're just excited for him. Then the next step, don't leave them there, is to say, hey, do you have a church home you belong to? All right, I've had this happen. If they're in my neighborhood, I connect them to my local church. If it was places where I was going and, 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 and that was outside of my community, I would, I would try to find them a church. I try to find a pastor in that area or something like that, a church in our area, usually a church in our tribe, and try to connect that local pastor with that believe, that new believer so that they can take them in their next steps. The next steps is to get them in community like we are where they can grow, all right? Then also baptism. Baptism is important as a next step because it, it, we're identifying with Christ. It's that, the, the water doesn't save us. Remember, it's faith in Jesus Christ and Christ alone, not in the water, not in H2O, but in Jesus, <laughs> Part of my testimony is, is the first time uh, when, when I, uh, I remember in uh, high school, one of my teammates came and he said, man, if you don't get baptized, you're going to hell, man. You need to get baptized. And so, <laughs> and I, I got scared. So I went and asked the, uh, the preacher, I said, I need, I need to be baptized. So they baptized me, but I never heard it. I don't remember hearing the gospel, right? So I went and got baptized and I just went out that night and just kept living like I was living. And so it wasn't until I got to college, someone explained the gospel to me. I responded by, through repentance and faith, and then got baptized again. So I got my baptism on the right side of salvation, all right? So anyway, so, so, so baptism is an important next step. So listen, we, I pretty much have walked through the whole thing. Any, any questions about any of this? Anything unclear, anything you need me to revisit? Because I want to make sure there's clarity on everything. Yeah. You have some sound? Thank you. Yeah. All right, so there are two pages of notes. And uh, some of you have page one, some of you have page two. So I want to make sure. Oh, is that my mic? We've got time, JJ, if you would take points three and four, okay. come up here and join me. And some of you may need to write this out longhand, but I just want to make sure you get it and you're clear. If you'll just fill these blanks in for us. Oh, yeah. Go over, this, go over this okay. one more time for us. So, All right, so, so number three and four is develop 
evangelistic curiosity. That's when you're just asking questions. Curiosity. Where are you from? How long have you been married? How many kids you got? And just asking questions. Do you go to church anywhere? Um, you know, what's your spiritual journey? Where you are right now? Just, just questions. You're just, and you're listening for an open door. Here's the best thing I've learned. Don't make it sound like a presentation, but a conversation. If it sounds like a presentation, it's going to sound like you got an agenda. Does that make sense? Like something, I get a telemarketer, they call me, a telemarketer call me, they get through half, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, ma'am, I, I appreciate you calling, uh, but, I, but I'm not interested. Hmm. She, she, you know, they, it's a presentation. I just, and that's usually how they're going to be with the gospel if it sounds like that. So make it conversational, all right? Uh, show them what you are saying is the next thing. That's the, that's the uh, you know, when you're doing the object lesson that I was just showing, you're kind of showing them. You're showing them what you're saying, okay? Um, the four points of the gospel, which is also on, your, on that gospel track, is you're not an accident. All right, you can go and read Colossians 1.16. Um, we are separated from God. And God has approached us in Jesus. And you must accept Jesus by faith. All right, and there's some verses there that you can go and reference. All right, what will keep you from giving your life to Jesus now is the next key question. All right? And underneath it, you got the admit, believe, and confess. That's just walking them through the prayer. Just some points to remember, like an outline for when they're praying. You want them to admit they're a sinner, believe, in their need, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, they died for the sin, rose again, and then they confess Jesus as Lord. All right? So that's just the outline to help you with the prayer piece. Everybody got them all? All right. Anybody miss any of that? Yes. Okay. The ants, thank you. That first ant is I can't. I can't do this. The second ant is comparison. Oh, man, I'm not Billy Graham. I'm not Dr. Chauncey. I, I, I'm the right of, you know, name the name. The next one is fear. Those are the three ants. Underneath it, to overcome it, is just inviting some accountability, whether it's your spouse or a friend, just to hold you accountable to make sure you're sharing the gospel with people. Underneath that, number two is choose to be intentional. That's when you're saying, okay, who, get before the Lord, you're asking for who, who the people that God wants you to engage, friends, family, neighbors, coworkers, etc. cetera, all right? Then you're thinking about, okay, what am I going to do? All right, I'm gonna, we're going to get together and watch a game. And you think about when, um, we'll do it Thursday. And then where? Uh, we'll do it at my house, whatever. You're just thinking strategically through um, how you can engage them and where you can engage them and how and all that. And uh, some of the stuff I shared wasn't on the notes. So there's the intentional things, and then there's the things where you're just seizing the opportunities that God gives you as you go as well. So you're just looking. You're always looking. So here's why I say always when you go out of the house, keep some tracks on you. Um, be ready, pray, look for opportunities. Um, there's been times when I miss opportunities. So when you go through all of that, yeah. Once you go through it, I'll repeat it for you. Thanks. That's right. That's right. That's right. 
Good question. Good question. She was saying once you walk through the gospel with someone and let's say they, they don't accept, do we just leave it alone after that? And that's a great question. Thank you for bringing that up. Here's what I would say. And a couple of things. Number one, be sensitive to the Holy Spirit in every encounter. Here's what I would even say to you. This is a approach. This may not work for you. What I would do is find other approaches that may work for you, or I would even say have multiple approaches. This one, uh, I left it at home, but I have uh, 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 three circles I use. It's a band. I have the no sweat, both spiritual laws. I mean, I, and I just be sensitive to how the Holy Spirit would use me in each, I'm going to come to you, each, each encounter to, to share with people. Now, if a person rejects, here's what I would say. That's a red light response, okay? Pray for them. Be sensitive again to the next counter. You don't want to be a nuisance to them, okay? You want to continue to love on them. It's not going to affect your relationship. You ain't going to cut them all, right? You're going to continue to love on them because what I found is sometimes God will let something happen in their life, some type of brokenness like in my life, and then they come back to you, right? So just keep loving on them. And you can tell them I'm praying for you, and you know I love you. Just keep it going. But don't, the worst thing you can do is just keep beating them. Don't, don't, don't do that. Don't beat them. Um, another question. So did I answer that? Did I have, was that helpful? So there's a red light. That's no. There's a yellow light. That's maybe. I want to hear more. Then you set up. And then there's a green light. Yes, I want to accept Jesus. And then there's, you, you, so you'll have those three responses. And the fourth response that you'll have is someone you'll meet and say, oh, man, I'm already saved. I'm a believer. And then you just go into, oh, tell me your testimony. And sometimes when I've done that, there is no testimony, man. I, mean, I, I, I went to church. I was born in church, man. My mom and dad was a deacon and all that. And they're going to all that stuff, and, and you don't hear the gospel in their, in their story. And so you just try to, you try to help them. Question for you. you essentially answered it. Uh, oh, okay. Yep. Back away. Man, I'm sorry. I appreciate you. Thanks for listening. And if there's anything I have to do for you, let me know. Just kind of just, it's all about relations because they already... You don't want your good to be spoken of as evil. Does that make sense? So, so you just want to be careful. And that's why I say be sensitive to the Holy Spirit in every encounter. Real quickly, before we wrap this up, here's what I want to show you real quickly. You can look at this later on. But if you go look in your Bible in Acts chapter 8 and look at verses 26 through 40, okay, you're going to see Philip, I mean, um, Philip, and he's talking to this Ethiopian man who's sitting in a chariot, right? And the beginning of that story, he's, he's just relaxing, and then God says, I want you to get up and go down this road, and he goes down this road, and when he goes down the road, he sees a man sitting in this chariot. And then, it, and here's what it says. You can miss this if you're not careful. It says, then the Spirit said, go near and take that chariot. So he goes over there, and when he goes to the chariot, he heard the man reading Isaiah 53. He heard him. He heard him. So he, so he didn't, he didn't go in and say, hey, sir, hey, hey. He, he, he approached it, and he was what? He was listening. And guess when he heard him? He heard him. Guess what? He said, hey, 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 you understand what you read? That was his question, right, to get to the gospel. And he said, no, 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 I don't even know. Who is he talking about, himself or Jesus? And he, and he said, how can, can I understand unless someone guides me? And he, he invited Philip in the chariot, right? So Philip was sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Another example is in Acts uh, uh, 10 when I think Peter is in Joppa. He's on a rooftop. He's praying. He has this vision. And then after he has the vision, the Holy Spirit tells him that there's some men at the door that have come here, and you need to go with them without delay. So he don't really know what's going on. So he goes with these men, and guess where he's led, he's led to? Cornelius' house. 
Cornelius and his whole family were waiting on this news, right? And so he goes in, he shares the gospel with Cornelius and his family, and the whole family gets saved. Then when he comes back to Jerusalem, they say, man, why did you go in some Gentile man house? You know, we'll be eating that, hanging out and eating them pig feet and stuff. We won't do that. We'll, we, we, we Jews. That's JJ's commentary. And so guess what he told them? You know, they like them pig feet, you know. And so he, the Jews didn't do that. So he, so he, he probably, he, here's what happened. He says, the spirit told me to go. So he went. Point I'm making is, Acts 13, he mentioned it earlier where uh, Paul and Barnabas, they're preaching the gospel, and I think in Antioch and Pisidia or somewhere, they're, but they're, they're, they've left out of Antioch. And here's what happened. The scripture says that they were fasting and worshiping and ministering to the Lord. And it says, then the Holy Spirit says, set apart Saul and Barnabas for the work that I called them. So the church heard the Holy Spirit and they sent them out of there and they went out sharing the gospel. So the point I'm making is, is this sensitivity to the Holy Spirit in every encounter. And then proclaiming in the power of the Holy Spirit and then leaving the results to God. Because evangelism is our work, but salvation is God's work. It's neither he who plants nor he who, I learned that from J.I. Packer. It's neither he who plants nor he who waters, but only God will give the increase. In so just remember those things. So, so hopefully that helps. Is that helpful? All right. We've been on time today, brother. <laughs> got the now, sermon did, in on time. Got the teaching did, in on time. You did good, man. <laughs> you always do good. You are such a blessing to us and to me personally. I appreciate you and your ministry so, so very much. Okay, I got an assignment for you, okay? Be praying for a person that you know is lost and ask God to give you an opportunity to share. 